Okay, we came back from the uh, Missoula sewage treatment plant, and before you turn the podcast off, there was a mission there that's not your your typical mission. There's there's stuff going on there that's different, and that is that uh, rather than just putting it through your standard stuff and then running it out into the river, uh, which is what they used to do, they started a new project there, uh, which is something where uh, um, uh, they take some of the affluent, which is basically uh, a fancy way of saying poop Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. They take poop Kool-Aid and they route it out to a, a batch of trees. They've got like, uh, see, now when I first heard of this going on. I thought it was like 40 acres, but that was like, that was like not just shy of two acres. Just shy of two acres. It was it was built as a demonstration project, hence the size. And it sounds like the project will be expanding in the next few years to be over 150 acres. So. With with each expansion, we're able to put more water on the trees and divert more water from the Clark Fork River. Okay, and um, so when we first got there, the first thing that we did is we kind of stared at all the stuff. And and I my first thought was is like, wow, it doesn't smell nearly as bad as the last time I was here, like 20 years ago. Uh, because it's like, how often do you think to yourself, hey, you know where we want to go today? It's to the sewage treatment plant. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling pretty good that it had been 20 years since I'd been there, right. uh, and I don't even remember why I went before. Uh, but and and then the whole time I was there, I kept thinking like uh, uh, I remember one of the guys that worked at the sewage treatment plant there told me what happens is you come there and you work there, and for the first two weeks you're sick every day, and then after that you never get sick again. <laughs> well, I have heard. Um... I have heard from a uh, gentleman that worked for Washington's uh, Department of Environmental Quality, and he suggested a study to me that had been done about the, the healthiest and the, and the least healthiest professions in the United States, and they based it on the amount of sick days employees took. And the people across the country that took the most amount of sick days were garbage collectors. And the people that took the least amount of sick days across the country were wastewater treatment plants uh, employees. And what he attributed that to is that most of the bacteria and the harmful stuff that comes out of a wastewater treatment plant came out of a human's body. So it's bacteria that humans are somewhat used to versus the bacteria that's in trash cans can come from a variety of different places. So. I think that I, I can't really necessarily recall ever getting sick when I first started going out there, <laughs> um, but I definitely have questioned uh, different times when I didn't feel well if I didn't feel well because I spent a lot of time at the ship. <laughs> so I'm with Heath Carey, and uh, he's a professional turd polisher. Professional professional master turd polisher. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, I met you through the uh, the Moss Group. Right, Montana Organization of Soil Scientists. So so you had, you had said, I don't know, I think you set it up, right? Well, it, uh, it, it apparently there was a Montana Organization of Soil Scientists before I myself became a soil scientist. Um, and I was not part of that group, and I think that group had pretty much gone quiet. Um, I'm not even really quite sure what the date is on that, but uh, Jim Cook, the um, the owner of Able Tree Source, our Able Tree Services, came to me and suggested that we try to get this Montana Organization of Soil Science Group Moss set up again, which is what we ended up doing is talking to different people in the soil industry and finding contacts with people who might be interested, and then bringing 
together a collective mind of soil scientists once a month and discussing dirt. <laughs> now, I, I feel like I know a fair bit about dirt, but when I go to these meetings, I'm clearly out of my league. And and uh, But at the same time, it's like uh, a lot of these guys have had certain training. I mean, their field is so narrow right. that it's kind of like they're saying, okay, now when we go and we get these uh, roads, we need to reclaim these roads, mm-hmm. we're going to put in these uh, native grasses. Right. And and I kind of feel like, what, just grasses? I mean, and why limit yourself to just natives, you know? And and, uh, and I'm kind of thinking, well, why not do like 30 or 40 different species of things, get a big seed mix going? And they're looking at me like I'm – crazy you know and and granted the native grasses um do a pretty good job of like uh, creating a web and a deep root system and and they're gonna they're gonna really do a a fairly decent job but i also kind of feel like there's some places where the grasses aren't going to do so good and let's you know put in some things that are going to do better there and plus diversity man diversity and uh but but you know they're 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 backgrounds or training is a little bit more classical than I suppose mine is. And really I'm I'm an engineer who came up more the hobby channel, I suppose, of of uh soil and horticulture and things of that nature. So uh but anyway, the the Moss group is an awesome group and, and I go there and I always feel like I learn a ton of things. And for these guys it's it's like nothing talking about this. Um and I and I'll um well anyway, so that's we won't go down that path. The, the key is, is that today we went to the sewage treatment plant. And, and when I first arrived, I thought it didn't smell as bad as it had before. Um, and then you pointed out it's because they got some new equipment there and, and that, you know, oh, it was only a few million dollars for this and a few right. million dollars for that. And we're looking inside of it, and it's kind of like got this thing where it's like the secondary cleaner upper, and it looks like water, only there's some floaty bits in there, which just look like anything you would see on a pond. Right. You know, nothing ducks. freaky. And there was a bunch of ducks. <laughs> One of the ducks looked a little ratty. <laughs> well, it's like that duck should get out of this water, man. Yeah. It probably isn't good for the duck. <laughs> so uh, there's been a lot of changes in how Missoula treats its wastewater. In 1962, uh, when we started wastewater treatment in Missoula, it consisted of two primary clarification ponds and essentially that took out the floats and the sinks and then the rest of it went into the Clark Fork River. Um, The next step was activated sludge which is essentially manipulating bacteria that specialize in removing nitrogen and solidifying phosphorus for it to be removed. And then that process essentially got added to to create what's now considered the biological nutrient removal section, which is a series of aerated and non-aerated waters, which further removes and reduces nitrogen and phosphorus and allows that to be in a coagulated um, or flocculated, I suppose is the correct term, a flocculated uh, material that can be removed from the water. So. The wastewater treatment plant primarily works as far as water transportation from point A to point B by gravity. So in neighborhoods, wastewater goes to one centralized location via gravity. When the gravity potential runs out, there's what's called a STEP system, and I believe that's an acronym for something, but I'm not quite sure what. Um, And essentially what that step system does is it's a primary filtration and then it lifts a volume of water a certain height, which then allows it to have more potential energy from gravity. 
and it continues this process the whole way down to the wastewater treatment plant. Once it gets to the wastewater treatment plant, it goes through a filtration mechanism or the headworks building, which then removes all of your floaties and all of your sinkers. And the new headworks building, which was roughly $7 million, I can't, I'm not 100% sure what the final price tag on that was, but it, uh, it contained technology which housed and captured the smell. So that was one of the first real big steps in reducing the smells at the wastewater treatment plant, in my opinion. And uh, I think that that's what most people noticed in Missoula as well when this new headworks building went in, the smell decreased. Um, from, the, from the headworks building, it goes into what's considered a primary clarification pond, which essentially sucks heavier materials out the bottom and allows the floating materials at this point to slowly be scooped off. That's We looked into a secondary clarification where we saw the ducts. Um, and there's a large sweeping arm that pulls all of the debris on top of the water into one common one common pit, if you will. So one first time, second time, and third time, and I imagine that the the first time was getting floaters and sinkers, the second one, floaters and sinkers, the third one, where, where we were, where we were floaters, floaters and sinkers, sinkers, but it was like far more still. Like we're in a hold this water still right. for like 10 hours or something, you know, it's a, for a long time. Right. And then that way we get the little teeny tiny itty bitty floaters and sinkers. Exactly. And I'm not 100% sure what... Uh, what do they do with the floaters and sinkers? Well, so the floaters and sinkers are either wasted, which means they go to a holding building which heats up the wasted, uh, at this point we'll call it biosolids, harvests methane off of that, and then goes through a dewatering phase and across the fence into eco-compost where it's turned into soil and people buy that and use it in their flower beds or, God forbid, their vegetable beds. Why do you say God forbid? Well, heavy metals are known to hang out in solids, and granted, we don't have very many heavy metals in Missoula because we're not a heavy industrialized city, but heavy metals and also certain pharmaceuticals, which I feel we don't test for, have a high probability of ending up in someone's vegetable or fruit garden. Once they're in that soil, I believe that our ability to come into contact with these nutrients that we normally wouldn't have come into contact with is drastically higher. So perhaps we could have a tomato with estrogen or maybe we could have antidepressants in our cucumbers. I think that, I think that, I think it's more likely to be in vegetables than in fruits. I think that when, when a plant uh, creates a fruit, it has some very extreme filtering processes. So, but whereas a vegetable, such as a carrot um, or, or rhubarb, uh, they're going to be part of the plant itself. A plant will take that up, mm -hmm. and then it'll be part of it. So it's basically, yeah, you're going to have, um, it's, and it's not going to be like uh, just a medication. I believe it's going to be a very homogenized medication. You're going to have every medication in Missoula in every plant that you eat out of your garden. Certainly seems that the probability of that occurring is is very high. Um, right now, the major process at Eco Compost is essentially a composting one, which utilizes bulldozers to turn dirt over on top of itself and 
heat it up and then it goes out to unsuspecting buyers that might not even realize that there's wastewater treatment plant waste in their soils. Right. So then, uh, uh, after getting the, the sinkers and the floaties out from three different levels, mm-hmm. uh, my understanding is that it's then uh, put by UV light, which will basically kill nearly every um, uh, type of uh, bacteria and growy in there. Probably won't kill them all, but will you know be a, do a pretty thorough job. It's, it's interesting because it doesn't actually kill them; it just sterilizes them, which means that they can't theoretically reproduce. So the bacteria are still there, but they're not able to create a bigger bacterial colony. Mm. Um. Okay. That's I've never heard that before. I thought it basically killed them. Like they got hit by the UV light and they were like instantly like so sad and depressed they died. Um, because of course bacteria reproduce by div- division. Right. And so you're saying now they can't divide anymore. They can't divide anymore, but they're not necessarily dead is my understanding. Ooh, weird. Right. So, so their only choice is to become giant-sized and take over Missoula. Pretty much. And before we were using UV technology, we were chlorinating the water. So chlorination typically killed the bacteria versus UV just renders them unable to separate. Renders them sad. Renders them, renders them sad. Very sad. Yeah. <laughs> then, and then from that water that's left, which just staring at the secondary pond mm-hmm. looked really clear, um, but you know, taking that stuff, and then um, uh, then it runs through the UV, and then it gets to go out and visit your trees. Right. Either it goes to visit the trees or it goes into the Clark Fork River. Uh, the project still, with its small size, is unable to divert a large amount of water. I mean, you're talking 8.5 million gallons of water a day go through the wastewater treatment plant and into the Clark Fork. So that's a pretty significant flow. Um, the good news is that the research shows that water going from the wastewater treatment plant and into the soil and being treated by the trees. So I guess if we back up a, if we back up a step and we look at why in the world do we just put our wastewater in rivers, and that goes back to the common mantra of the solution to pollution is dilution. Um, what I thought, and what I thought for a long time, is that we need to simply redefine dilution. So, if you're putting wastewater into the river, the factors of dilution are the water itself, the bacteria in the water, and then the interaction between the water and the atmosphere and the water and groundwater. If you put the water on a soil substance, you still have an atmospheric interaction, but you've now introduced the soil interaction. You've also introduced the plant interaction. So the plants utilize what we consider waste, and, and by we, uh, collectively, a toilet bowl full of water is, is, is considered waste, when in actuality in that toilet bowl, while there might be some waste like pharmaceuticals that we don't necessarily want to come in contact with again, there's also large amounts of phosphorus and nitrogen in there and other trace elements like magnesium that are that you need to have for plant growth. So I remember seeing a meme not too long ago where it, it had uh, some kid in Africa like looking at a white woman and saying, let me see if I get this straight. You have so much clean water where you come from that you poop in it. 
<laughs> it's you know it seems kind of funny when you consider where we've come. Older toilets used what over three gallons to flush a to flush one one bowel movement, if you will, down down into the the toilet and and off to a centralized wastewater treatment plant. Now, even with water saving devices, we're still using a gallon of water to flush that same that same. Uh, no, you're still using three. You're just you're having to do several flushes now. Well, depending on what you ate the night before, sure. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. There's that, too. Yeah. Whoa, that was a lot of paperwork on that one. Yeah. Jeez. I had to flush four times. So, yeah, exactly. So there's 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 really the question of, to me at least, is how long will communities continue to spend large amounts of water on centralized wastewater treatment plants? Um, and basically, a, wa a centralized wastewater treatment plant takes all the houses in one area, and it takes all of their wastewater, and it pulls it into one centralized location and works to treat it as a whole. Um, I'm afraid we have to pause the podcast because there's a dude in a clipboard walking up to your front door, and I and I think he wants you to vote for him. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna, I'll find the pause button here. Okay, we got that guy to go away. You bastard guy. So he wanted he didn't want us to vote for him. He wanted he wanted your money. He wanted more money. Yeah. He always wanted uh can I sell you some internet, dude? He's like, I got all the internet I want. I mean that's the thing to do when when a guy comes up and he wants you to vote for him. I got all the government I need. I vote no. I don't need any more trickle down government. <laughs> So, um, uh, all right. So, so basically, we're talking about poop Kool-Aid. Poop Kool-Aid. And, and you were talking there for a minute about like um, dilution is the solution. Right. And and uh, and and I think where you're going with it is you're about to say that it's actually the opposite. But maybe you're not. Well, I think that I mean, yeah. Obviously, the solution to pollution, which is essentially unused, concentrated somethings. That's what pollution is. Pollution is an unused resource, in my opinion. Um, and I think that putting an unused resource, i.e., lots of nutrients, into an aquatic in an aquatic ecosystem is bad. Um, primarily because we know that wastewater treatment plants are significant sources for antibiotic immunity, well, antibiotic resistance genes, we can put it that way. Um, we know that. We also know that there are pharmaceuticals in that waste stream. We know through research that fish generally, when they come into contact with things like estrogen, they have a, t they have a tough go. They sprout boobs. Right. It brings, they sprout boobs or <laughs> they, they have sex changes or they turn hermaphroditic and it generally impairs their ability to continue Dress reproducing. Funny. Right. So, and you look at those things and you also look at eutrophication. So you can get some of those nutrients in the water that causes an algal bloom. That algal bloom thrives and then it dies. Well, when it dies, it needs lots of oxygen to deteriorate and turn back into the nutrient stream that it once was in the river. Well, if you take all of the oxygen out of the available environment, then that means the fish don't have oxygen, so then all of the fish die. Um, if you put this water on land, in my opinion, and what the data shows is that it allows terrestrial plants to utilize the nutrients that cause the algal blooms in the river. I think it also 
puts a buffer in between pharmaceuticals and water, which is, for me, really the take-home point, because why would why would we want to have pharmaceuticals in our in our rivers it just doesn't it's it seems like such a strange concept for me and yet we've practiced this dumping our waste into the river for millennia now okay so um the stuff that's going out on your trees mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's at that last point just as it's going into the river and instead this teeny tiny bit of it like 0.01% right for the day, right. it gets routed over to your trees. Right. And and so an important thing is, is the trees go yee-haw because they're getting a lot of nutrient out of that. Exactly. But at the same time, that same nutrient is going to, I mean, that is, it is indeed poop Kool-Aid. And so we're putting poop Kool-Aid, and granted, we have um, made the bacteria sad, and, and so the bacteria is not going to make anybody else sad or anything else sad. The bacteria is now officially sad, and it's just going to it's it's going to die soon. It's going to live its its expected lifespan and die. Right. Uh, however, the water is still full of um, nutrients in you know NPK, um, and uh, it's it's also got a, a variety of other things floating around in there. Not only does it got a bunch of things because like now I was asking you this earlier when we were standing in there looking at the plant. You said that the water that arrives at the plant, um, leaves the plant about 24 hours later. Right, within 24 hours. I believe the answer I got when asking the same question out there was 16 to 18 hours is what it takes for water entering the wastewater treatment plant to go through the treatment process and then go into the river. Okay. 24, I mean, it's a 24-7 running operation, so it's not as if the plant ever really stops down, so it's just a continual water treatment system. So now for these two acres, there's a, there's an amount of water that's being applied right now, which is like this, this trivially tiny amount of water. Um, but it's like uh, at the same time, um, and, and so then the option is, is either put it just right into the river or go put it on your trees. Right. And, um, but the, and then the, when you put it on the trees, the trees go yeehaw. I mean, those trees were four years old, and they're over 20 feet tall. Right. Um, and and so then clearly there's nutrient in that, which right. was just going to go into the river. But at the same time, it's kind of like okay, you're putting them on cottonwoods, poplars, and um, uh, willows. Right. And so these are three trees that like this kind of thing, and they grow very fast. Uh, and so then the, basically the, the poop Kool-Aid is being converted into tree. Um, and and so uh, as opposed to uh, um, it's going to go down the river and it'll be converted into whatever happens to be going near the river or you know probably a lot of algae and right. and and stuff. Not there's not very much that finds it a value except for plants. But in the river, it's not going to find very many plants. No, I mean, it, and again, going back to the eutrophication, it can spur algal growth, and then that. That plant really likes it. Yeah, and then it can suck the oxygen out of the water, so the fish become sad. Right, or dead. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sad or dead. But they'll be medicated. But your boobs. Once <laughs> you got boobs. As long as you got boobs, you got no problem. Yeah, everything. They're so much happier now. Fish are like these are awesome. Super boobs. <laughs> fish boobs. Uh, and so, uh, all right. So then it's. Uh, this tiny mass being routed, but then we've, we've, as we spent probably 
what, an hour and a half just standing there with your trees talking about all the different things that, that we saw. Absolutely. One of the things that we started ta- talking about is, is like there's what the normal person might choose to do with these trees. And, and then the other thing is you, could, you might be able to get to the point where you could route all of that water for part of the year to trees, but you'd have to have a, you know, a bigger patch. Like right, you, you yeah. might need a few hundred acres, maybe even a thousand acres. And, and then um, on top of that, we, we talked about if we just cut the trees where they were and dropped them right there and left them there and just did coppicing, mm-hmm. then um, uh, eventually the soil would get to be crazy deep and thick. And um, the trees would be bigger and have a, a you know bigger root system, and uh, there'd be a lot more biological activity there. And you could probably uh, Im- increase the amount of water that's put out there by a factor of say, um, I, I want to I want to make up a number of thirty. Well, then <clears throat> I, I think you're actually right on there, Paul. Um, if you add one, if you add one percent organic matter to soil substrate, you increase that soil's water holding capacity by 3.7 percent. So, in actuality, every time that we add organic matter to the soil, i.e., falling the trees or the trees losing their leaves, we dramatically then increase the amount of water that the soil is able to hold, um, including the nutrient holding capacity. Right, including nutrient holding capacity. There's a ton of surface area with active spots and organic matter that work essentially like a sponge on or a sponge rather on nutrients and water um, so yeah absolutely i you know whether or not it would specifically be 3% or 30% more i i think that that's yet to be proven but i think the increase of water being able to be put on the site is is absolutely correct in fact um, even with our permit through the Montana DEQ, we've been able to ramp up how much water we've put on from years one to two and three and from years three to four and five. And I suspect moving into the future, we will continue to increase the amount of water we put on the plot. Um, what I would really love to see is just piping that wastewater the whole way down to Frenchtown, which is right to the west of Missoula, for those of you not uh, familiar with the <laughs> demographics. It's just down downstream. It's just downstream, about, about 10, 10 miles. miles. Yeah. About 10 miles. And have that wastewater stream usable for people in the agricultural industry or just use it to repair riparian zones along the river. And at the very end of uh, of well, basically at Frenchtown, at the very end of the pipeline, it would go into what is now being considered a uh, Superfund site on Smurfit Stone or the old Smurfit Stone site. So you could actually utilize the wastewater to remediate that site and grow trees. All right. So, uh, I mean, uh, we've got a rich conversation to go here. But the but the big thing is, is, is that where we're starting with is that uh, take this this stuff – this poop Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, grant, and and the other thing is to say that the chunky bits are being pushed over to EcoCompost. We talked about that, All right? So the, we're taking the poop Kool-Aid, the leftover poop Kool-Aid, and we're trying to convert it into trees. And um, but the problem is, is that there's so much water, and there's just a little bit of nutrient in that water because we've gotten to the point where it's like it's been diluted. Right. So we've got like three different angles to look at this. One is is like okay. Um, uh, 
when when we have our homestead or a house and we want to be eco, we want to do gray water, we want to do all this. I mean, basically, we're gonna we're gonna cut back on the the problem of poop Kool Aid that goes out to the sewage treatment plant. Um, and then another one is is to like think of this as like okay, well, uh, uh, how are people going to deal with you know this? How is this a solution? What kind of solution is it? Um, and and what are some solutions that we might have as as because now we're you and I are probably more concerned about what happens with this stuff than than most people. Um, and and there's going to be elements to this that um, uh, so like somebody might look at those cottonwood trees and they would say, I want to build some furniture. I'm going to build some flooring. Cottonwoods uh, been used for flooring. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're going to you know they they've got a, a list of things that they're going to build out of it. Whereas I would rather not. Um, and and uh, my concern has to do with the fact that uh, you know our healthcare industry says everybody should take lots of pills. Um, mm-hmm. Because flush, them, flush them down the toilet when they don't need them anymore. Yeah, you know, right. I'll flush them down the toilet. But, you know, effectively, even when they take the pill, my understanding is that 90% of it just passes right through. I'm not sure how much the percentage is it passes through, but there's definitely it's going to change. passes through. It's going to change from person to person and from pill to pill. Right. You know, different kinds of pharmaceuticals are going to be better absorbed than others, mm-hmm. and then what isn't absorbed goes right on through into the toilet. Right. Um, and then, you know, we kind of get to the point of talking about like, uh, uh, well, all right, so there's a lot of, so many different angles to go and touch on. Um, one is, is that it's like, I think that there's degrees of how to make this system better. Like if you live in an environment where you've, you're hooked to the sewage system, mm-hmm. then it's going to be like, all right, so what can you do that's easy to do? Mm-hmm. And what can you do that's little more challenging, and, and what's the extreme? So the extreme, of course, is going to be... Composting toilet. Composting toilet with urine diverter, and then you take water out of the equation altogether. And then for the rest of it, just do gray water. Just do gray water so running out on the property. You have zero going into the septic system right. or in, into the uh, sewage, sewage system. system. So the most, uh, yeah, I mean, the most, the most radical idea is to cut out the centralized wastewater treatment system, or at least to, well... It's either you cut it out totally, or you don't change, or you decrease it. And, you know, we can we can decrease it with our special toilets that might need to be flushed two and three times, depending on what you had the night before, um, or put on an aerator in your kitchen sink to decrease the flow, or put in a water-saving shower head. All of these work to decrease the amount of water going into the system. Um, like, you know, I mean, when people here in Missoula, we talk about, we hear these stories of people talking about like, uh, hey, let's, let's do things to use less water. And, I, and to me, it's kind of like, uh, I think of, there must be places where there's deserts where they're like running out of water, mm-hmm. you know, like Los Angeles, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, you want to use less water because that way you pay less for water. And, um, and it's like, uh, I did a podcast, or not a podcast, I did a, I did a presentation in Oceanside, it's like $200 for a water bill was like kind of normal. Wow. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Wow. And so it's kind of like, but, but here in Missoula, it's like we've got two rivers joining here. Right. We've got just so much water that most people, they don't pay for um, the amount of amount of water. They just pay for having water. And and so then they get all the water they want for all the things that they want to do. Right. Um, and, and so then it's kind of like, well, the problem isn't so much – 
you know, there's gobs of water. You can have all the water you want. And of course, they're changing that now. But really, the thing for here, for an, from an environmental perspective, is is that now there's so much water going to the sewage system, it's hard to treat it. It's hard to deal with it. And and it's like uh, now you've got it. The poop Kool-Aid is diluted so much right. that it's kind of hard to like clean it before putting it back out because there's just so much water. Well, and interestingly enough, here in Missoula, uh, along the pipelines, the sewage lines that are going to those centralized wastewater treatment plants, there is actually a differential in pressure from inside the pipe to outside the pipe, and that differential in pressure is actually causing groundwater to infiltrate into the pipe. So there's water that wasn't ever used in a household still going into the pipe, still going down to the wastewater treatment plant increasing the dilution again with the water. But that's probably better than the alternative. Well, yeah, I mean, it's better than flushing toilets for sure. But well, I mean, it's, it's better than having the pressure on the inside of the pipe being greater. Oh, right, right. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, with the wastewater yeah. coming out as it goes down to the uh, to the wastewater. I, I remember working in an office once, and, and, and there's you know, the little water fountain outside the bathrooms, and you could hear the toilets flush because they're that power flush kind of... <laughs> And and it's like, uh, but then it's like you, you hold down the water thing for the water fountain, and the water goes. And then when when there's a flush, then the water fountain water drops down. Drops down. And so somebody is somebody is pointing that out, and it's like, doesn't that worry you a little bit? That every time you hear the flush, then the water and the water fountain goes down. And I said, no, it would worry me is if it did the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Flush the toilet, <laughs> and it's crazy. In the face. <laughs> it's like, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. That, that yes, really that's not yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's really interesting too. I mean, when you when you go back to kind of the whole energy efficiency of current wastewater or traditional wastewater treatment practices, when the water comes in, it's already diluted to a certain factor, and most of the permits that are in existence for wastewater treatment plants really focus on macronutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus type nutrients, and then things like total suspended solids, which then have um, to not get too sciencey, but then you start to look at biological oxygen demand, which is the same thing that is triggered by dying algae in, in the water. So what, you know, what the mass actually is, and we put so much money both in the form of energy, but also in building these plants. In the last two retrofits that we've had since 2003 to 2012, we've put over $25 million into the wastewater treatment plant, and that's a city of the size of 90,000, I think, is what we're what we're um, treating at the wastewater treatment plant as far as people go. If you were to, say, decrease the amount of nutrients and constantly be putting that to the trees, then I think that the trees would grow taller faster still because we'd have a higher nutrient um, concentration in the wastewater, but the only problem with that is, is that trees only grow half the year. So then the other half of the year here, we would have to figure out how to treat the wastewater. So it's kind of, we're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place until a company, say like Algevolve, can figure out a system that works on a large scale and grows, say, algae during the wintertime indoors, and then in the summertime we take that water and instead of growing algae with it, we grow trees, or maybe we'll find something else that's more beneficial to grow than, say, trees, something that you could harvest every year, say. So <clears throat> I, I wanted to finish where I was kind of, I was, I was on a roll there for something before I distracted myself. <laughs> and and I, wa- I wanted to finish the thing. And so basically the thing is, is that 
Uh, I think you said, is it 8.5 million gallons per day? Right Rough, now? Roughly 8.5 million gallons a day. Okay. And so um, it's kind of like, well, if all the people in Missoula, and granted, they're not going to, but I can pretend for a moment. And, and so if all the people in Missoula found ways to just uh, – because, like, there's, there's a – what's the we, – we've talked about the extreme. Let's the, just just extreme don't send well. anything down there at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's like, okay, well, well, what's like – if that's step 10, that's level 10, what's level 1? And I think level 1 is just simply reduce the amount of water – that you use absolutely, and and so then um, uh, there's a variety of ways. And so here in Missoula, we're all real spoiled. We just use lots of water because oh, why no. not? Yeah, we've got you it. know, and and it's just uh, it's just you know unlimited free water. It's good water. It's uh, you know, uh, so anyway, um, uh, so now the, the you know one possible solution is if everybody in Missoula could cut their water use in half. Mm-hmm. And one of the, and you know what a big part of that, especially in the summer, is going to be. Well, no, because now if you're watering your lawn, that doesn't make any difference in the sewage stuff. Right. But it's like the water that goes down the sewage. I mean, so I'm, I'm going to guess that one-third of the water that goes into the sewage system comes from the toilet. So that's going to be uh, somebody going and they pee and they flush. Mm-hmm. And then they go and they poop and then they flush four times. Yeah. Or however many times it takes <laughs> to get that job done. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, there's going to be, like, laundry stuff. There's going to be kitchen stuff. There's going to be showers yeah. uh, is a big one. Mm-hmm. And and it's kind of like, uh, um, so while a lot of people, and, it, and it's like, uh, it's not easy. To, and it's like for a lot of people, they're going to just want to keep using the water infinitely because there's infinite water. Because when you turn on the tap, it comes out. Yeah, there you go. When and you, When you flush one load, the water comes in and fills the tube up again for you the next time. So um, uh, there, there are there are levels that you can do, and and I think in these podcasts we've talked about different techniques to be able to to reduce the amount of water that's used, and and um, and I, but I think the toilet is probably the number one place to start, um, and uh, I think another one is is with washing dishes. Um, I know that I've talked in this podcast before uh, several times about pooplessness. And this is this is the one where you're using no soap or shampoo in the shower. I know for me, I, I was a pretty fast showerer, generally well under three minutes or under five minutes, probably around three minutes. And now I think my showers are only like a minute, um, which I think is like uh, that's a huge cut in the amount of water going down there. And that's and only so two point five gallons on most water saving shower heads, they max out at about two point five gallons a minute. So um, I I think that uh, um, there's there's a variety of techniques you can use and, and it just makes it so that less poop Kool Aid is going into the river during the summer when you're doing this tree thing. Right. So like if if everybody in Missoula cut their water usage in half, then the poop Kool Aid would be more concentrated. Right. And then more of it would end up on the trees rather than going down the river. I think one would. I, th- I think that that sounds correct. I mean, <laughs> and then if well, and then if if ten uh, percent of the Missoula population was like the intense, right, and and they were going to put nothing down, mm-hmm. then um, um, that that of course you know is is like Super the the the, the, the ratio of poop in the Kool Aid is uh, the same, but it's going to be um, just less overall poop Kool Aid. Right, or you know, if if ten percent of the community stops sending poop 
to the wastewater treatment plant, that's 10% of the poop not even entering the equation any longer. But depending on what the 90% did, then we could have more or less water added or more or less poop added for sure. So now this is an area of your expertise. <clears throat> and so I want to talk a little bit about um, the idea of let's, we, we, we talked a little bit about um, how things go over to eco-compost, the solids go over to eco-compost, and how you have concerns over people using that in their gardens. And I have the same concerns. I'm probably even more concerned than you, um, but I'm just that way. But, but you're concerned. Uh, at the same time, it's kind of like, but somebody um, uh, at home, could uh, uh, they could have their own composting toilet system, um, maybe just a wheelie bin system where you fill the wheelie bin with poop only, no pee, and um, and then you set it aside for two years. And then um, if for, for somebody who's in an urban lot in Missoula, what would you suggest they do with it then? Well, I, what I would suggest is sticking that somewhere when, in a ventilated situation, so have a vent coming out of there, so you, and then set it in a sunny spot, essentially, is what I, what I would suggest. So then through You're talking about storage. You're talking about the storage, like the two-year well, period. Right. So the two-year period, I would work towards desiccation. So I would try to get – so backing up just a second, the average human poop has about 5% solids in it. So what you have when, at the end of the day with a full barrel of poop is about 5% solid mass and 95% liquid. So you could evaporate that liquid off. And then once you've once you've pulled your source of poop down and, and liquid percentage, you could use it in your own garden. I mean, we know what we're putting in our bodies. So if you are a relatively healthy human being and you take your poop and you run it through the gamut, you run it through the process, or you just dig a cat hole and you put it in the ground, you're not going to get any additional pharmaceuticals than what may already be there because if you're not in, ingesting any... You're going to recycle your own pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Right, exactly. You know, um, And in that case, too, you know, even if you did take your own pharmaceuticals, you're already taking the pharmaceuticals, so if you grew your food in the same pharmaceutical-ridden soils, and let's just say if a plant did pull up those pharmaceuticals, then maybe you could reduce the amount of medicine you actually had to take because it's already in the system. Um, but I think you hit on it earlier today that if we focused more on our food system and we ate healthier foods, well, then we would need less pharmaceuticals. We would need less medicine because there's a direct correlation between what you put into your body food-wise, what you fuel your body with, to your health. Um, so now that I've gone off on a tangent, to get back to what I would do with it, I mean, the Chinese have been making night soil for millennia. It's it's worked. I mean, we mix animal manures in with our soils or put it on the top and let it sit. I mean, to me, it seems perfectly logical to utilize a night soil is, is generally the term associated with the soil and poo mixture as a nutrient addition for your plants. So now, <clears throat> I, I think that, um, uh, every, I, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And, and I want to add my own layer of, like, I'm even more weird about it. Mm -hmm. 
I'm weird. I'm going to be weirder about it than than you. Probably because you haven't been stomping around in it in the last four years. <laughs> maybe maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's part of it. Now and and uh, and my my uh, uh, you know college background probably isn't as rich as yours on this topic. And uh, and so then, but I would say what I would want to do is is put it at the base of a cottonwood or poplar or um, uh, uh, willa uh, in the springtime. Right when it's starting to really put on its leaf growth, and and that way I would take whatever's in it and convert it into a tree, and and um, I've and I I do think that you know if you've got a family where no one is taking any kind of pharmaceuticals whatsoever, then that has high value. The other thing is is that it's like the stuff that's down at the um, eco compost at eco compost, which are those biosolids. Mm-hmm that are going to contain the pharmaceuticals, they're also going to contain who knows what kind of industrial waste that people just put down the drain. Absolutely. You know, and uh, a lot of those things I'm, I'm concerned about. Like, what the hell? Is, what, is, what is in Febreze, for crying out loud? But, but yeah. the other thing is, is it's like somebody's like, oh, you know what, here's this toxic gick, and um, I don't want the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I want to pour it down the drain. Right. And, uh, and there's, there's going to be all these different kinds of toxic gick. Um, and and so then there's you know so then it gets all concentrated and then you have toxic gick concentrate down there and I don't know what all's in that but then if you're just talking about the poop that you've collected at your house right. and you know everybody's story of what's going in that mm-hmm. and then plus if somebody's got a bottle of toxic gick they're not going to pour it on into their garden. yeah they're effectively <laughs> into the, on their garden right. by by pouring it into um, the wheelie bin or whatever kind of composting toilet system you happen to have. They're not going to just say, I'm going to pour toxic gick in there. Right. Yeah, and so um, uh, I think that uh, we're talking about something that's much safer, but even still, I would plant it, I would I would put it on a tree that would quickly take it up. Right. I mean, first wait two years, because mm-hmm. at two years, then uh, not only is it desiccated and shrunk down to almost nothing, but on top of that, all the pathogens are definitely dead. Absolutely. After about uh, six to seven months, most of them are dead. Like 90, 95% of them are dead. Uh, around a hundred, around uh, a year, it's like 99.5%. And at two years, it's like 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
Now, we were also talking about, like, what would other people do with this wood? And, and so some people might, I mean, might using it for flooring, flooring is, is an option. Mm-hmm. And then you and I agreed that we wouldn't do that. Like, I wouldn't do that, and you wouldn't do that. And it's like part of it's because, yeah, there's there's stuff in there. Now, granted, when you put in the flooring, you're going to, you know, treat your floor. And then, mm-hmm. so now, now if you're out barefoot and you're standing on the floor, there's something between you and the wood. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, there's still enough where I'm kind of thinking, like, Underneath the floor, it's off-gassing. Right, unless you took maybe, you know, I'm sure somewhere along the line someone could suggest polyurethaning the entire board before you even build anything with it so that it's basically sealed, all sealed and contained within the polyurethane shield. Um, and again, you know, like we had spoken at the at the site is you know, we don't really know what's in there just yet. Maybe there isn't any cause for alarm, but then again, maybe there is a big cause for alarm. Um, and I think that there's definitely some more avenues for research to go into chemical constituents that are prevalent in plant species watered with wastewater. So a lot of people are perfectly comfortable just letting it go down the river to the ocean, where the ocean is currently getting pretty fucked up. Oh, yeah. The ocean, the ocean now is filled with dead spots because... In, in in common theory, animals that migrate from the southern hemisphere to the northern hemisphere, that whole migration period started following snow melt. So as the snow would melt in the islands, the water would erode soils up in, say, places like Montana, fill the river streams with lots of nutrients. Those nutrients then would pulse out once a year into the ocean and cause a bloom in in phytoplankton. Phytoplankton then were consumed by these great masses of migrating animals. What we've done is we've stopped that natural ebb and flow of nutrients at a certain time of year and just begun adding nutrients all the time. And so I believe that because we're adding nutrients now all the time, and, you know, damming up rivers, which has a pretty big part of this, of, of water impacts as well, I believe that the increased nutrient loads going out to the river now are the re- are what's causing the dead zones. And I don't even really think that just I believe that. I'm pretty sure I could find you some literature that says the same thing. So now um, let's let's suppose that uh, um, you and I are in charge, and and mysteriously for some bizarre reason <laughs> we always agree, you know. <laughs> So uh, let's let's see how we agree on this, and uh, it's like okay, so here we are. We're in charge of Missoula area. We're 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 the kings of we're co-kings. We're co-kinging Missoula. So we're co-kings, and um, and it's like okay, what are we gonna do for waste treatment and stuff? And and it's kind of like so somebody comes along, they want to build a new house, and we say okay, you know what? We got a sewage treatment plant here. It works pretty good. Um, it could even it could even deal with more capacity according to federal laws, mm-hmm. but you know we're not really into this whole pollutant the river thing, and there's some of that. So here's the deal. Now, if you want to hook up with the sewage treatment plant, you can totally do that, and the plumbing is going to cost you about an extra seven thousand dollars than if you just kind of did a composting toilet thing. Right. So we think that the norm you should go for is the composting toilet and gray water system. Right. And and it's like, but hey, you know, we're not going to tell you what to do, but we are going to say this. If you're going to hook up to the sewer system, then there's a couple of important things you should know. One, you're going to pay about 15 grand to get connected to it. Uh, two, there's going to be a charge. 
just to be for us to process your poop. Right. And on top of that, you're going to spend another seven thousand dollars or so with just the plumbing inside your house mm-hmm. to kind of get all that done. So it's like it's going to be expensive. Or you can set up a system, and we're going to be cool with this, where um, you've got a gray water system with a greenhouse. Right. Uh, so that way it's like uh, something – the greenhouse has stuff in it you're not going to eat. It has stuff that really likes gray water. Looks looks nice. So it's that way – It's basically like a wet riparian zone, lots of rushes, reeds, cattails, that kind of stuff growing out of there to pull the nutrients out. Yep. And and that is entirely uh, on on your property. A little uh, six foot by eight foot bed with baffles. The water goes back and forth and back and forth before it leaves, and then that can just pour out onto the ground. Or maybe even into an aquaponic system, which is healthy with fish. Uh, hey, yeah, those are options that we're cool with, man. Yeah, yeah. you want to do that? We're all right with that. But yeah. if you want to put it on just on the ground, no problem. We understand. Yep. Okay, fair enough. And then you've got a system that's like, you know, one of the composting toilet strategies that we're okay with. And we might require you to uh, take a four-hour course in composting toilet just to make sure that you're not just phoning it in. Right. And, uh, you know, that you're thoroughly educated in how to make a good one versus make a stupid one. Right. Because uh, we're worried about, you know, we're worried about you screwing up your neighbor's water source if you, you know, you don't treat your waste the correct way. Well, more importantly, I'm worried about them pooping in my water. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want your poop in my water. I don't water. care if he poops in your water. <laughs> I make sure he doesn't poop in my water. Well, I think your water and my water are one and the same in a co-exactly. <laughs> world, right? That's part of the problem, all right? So, but the, the key is, is we're concerned about this, Absolutely. you know. We just don't like the idea of just people out there pooping in the collective water, which also happens to be my water. That's true, and if you look, uh, you know, that's it's not really that far-fetched of an idea because before we had a, a centralized wastewater treatment system, everybody had their own septic tanks, uh, which a septic tank is essentially subsurface flow of wastewater that has minimal treatment to it. So our system would actually be better than that, it would also allow water to be put on the surface layer of soil versus underneath that most reactive microbial area, right? Most most wastewater uh, leach fields allow their water to go in under that 1 to 10 centimeter highly active microbial layer in the soil. Well, your 1 to 10 centimeter highly, mac- highly active uh, layer there mm-hmm. uh, is very inactive in the wintertime. Well, it can be if it's if it's a frozen soil, it's definitely not very active. But <laughs> if it's thawed in the wintertime or it has a nice snow cover on top of it keeping it thawed, it, it actually is more active. Um, but yes, okay, yeah. sure. In the wintertime, so, so, and, and we're not pl- we're not strategizing a septic tank system anyway because we right. we think that septic tanks suck also. Super suck. Yeah. So in in our kingdom. No, none of that. None of that. Yeah, that's, 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 those are lame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're trying to do better than the sewage treatment plant, which is better than the septic system. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So now, um, uh, and then in time, our plan is, is that in time, people will probably say, you know what, I like my money being in my pocket mm-hmm. rather than giving to the king's. Absolutely. So those kings, because they live a pretty luxuriant life, and it <laughs> disgusts me. And and so um, uh, so anyway, 
they're going to they're going to say, you know what? I think I'm going to do this composting toilet thing, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and and I want to do the gray water deal mm-hmm. because that's so much easier. It's and easier. It's cheaper. Arguably, it's more efficient. You know what's going in. You know what's coming out. So I'm kind of trying to think like now that we've kind of we're traveling this path, and there's currently people that are like eco-minded, and right. and they're saying they're already on the septic system, and they're like, oh look, I've got this option now. Mm-hmm. Where I can go and totally do this, uh, um, the gray water thing correctly, the way that you and I approve of, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, um, uh, the composting toilet way. And they're thinking, I'm going to go that path instead because that puts less uh, poop Kool Aid into the Clark Fork River. Exactly. And I don't like the idea of poop Kool Aid in the Clark Fork River. A lot of people like to float down the Clark Fork River. It's a different scenario when you imagine you're floating in the Clark Fork River in everybody's wastewater. <laughs> And poop Kool-Aid. Poop Kool-Aid. <laughs> Lots of poop Kool-Aid. Yeah. Ooh, that's all year long. And, you know, I'm just now thinking that most people float down the Clark Fork River in the summertime. Exactly. And when there's the not... When the flows are lower. When the flows are... And so there's not very much water there. And and so then the poop Kool-Aid goes into there. So there's not... So the ratio of poop Kool-Aid to river water is um, a little bit more concentrated on poop Kool-Aid. Yes, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so uh, that's why it, so if somebody's like floating on the river and thinking, that smells funny, yep. that could be it. And it's very, I, there's been more than one or two occasions when I've been down the Alberton Gorge and I swear that I could smell poop water in the river. Because, <laughs> you know, when you spend so much time there, it's hard to, it's hard to forget what it smells yeah, like. Yeah, I know that smell. <laughs> Who farted? <laughs> 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 yeah. So uh, okay, let's, let's go through the list and see what we've we've uh, left out. All right. So at the top of the list, I've got end use others versus us. I I'm just kind of thinking that like when we talk about having cottonwood planks as floorboards, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking like I'm not comfortable with it. I don't. Think I'm, I'm comfortable. You know with what? Either. I can or see, making paper out of it. I can see other people being comfortable with it. Right. And and you know what? Um. Uh. Whatever the pharmaceuticals are. They were pretty diluted when we put it in there. And then the tree itself, it's going to be really diluted inside the tree. Right. But it's still in there. Still and, in there. And it's not like a real tested thing. And so it's like it's it's just it's just enough to make me kind of... He, m- enough to give you the heebie-jeebies. 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 That's exactly it. I've got a... He- <laughs> the heebie-jeebie factor is, is triggering something. And I'm like thinking, you know what? I think I don't want to do this. Right. I, I think... Um, I think I, I, you know, I've got other, I've got other ideas of what I want to do. Right. On the other hand, if it's just me, my own poop, and it's turned into this cottonwood tree, and I want to, I'm thinking, no problem, right. no problem. I know what I eat, yeah. and I know there's no pharmaceuticals. I know there's not a lot of heavy metals. I know that it's like there's no industrial waste of something, exactly. You know, ending that's, up in that. I mean, back. we were talking earlier about how we thought. I, I made up some numbers. I said I believe that um, between household stuff, your typical household stuff which would be your toilet, your laundry, uh, your shower, uh, your kitchen stuff, mm-hmm. uh, all that stuff. And then you throw in all the businesses, all the toilets of all the businesses, all the kitchens of all the restaurants and businesses. Mm-hmm. And laboratories at the university. Well, now, wait a minute. Without the laboratories okay, at the university <laughs> and without any industries, without you know, with the industry toilets, but not any weird industry stuff going down okay. the, the the sewage system, okay. and and so just normal stuff, okay. Then that's like ninety percent, maybe even ninety five percent of all the stuff that goes down the sewage treatment plant. 
Um, and, and so in that is going to be all the weird things that somebody poured down the sink mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Then you add in all of the industries that have like weird things going down. Right. And, uh, they're, and it's like, okay, then you go to the university and they got a laboratory and it's like, today we're going to blow up shit. And then we're all done. We're going to take the toxic gig and just, you know, wash it down. just wash it down the sink, man. And and then all the high school chem labs doing that too, mm-hmm. and then it's like uh, okay, then we got like the rendering plant, and mm-hmm. which is just you know hospital. animal parts. And the hospital sure goes down the hospital, but you can it imagine is. those patients going into the restroom have probably a lot more pharmaceuticals in them than a 